At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, and with me again is Ron Hicks. Ron, welcome to the program. Thank you, Richard. I always appreciate coming on and having a good civil discourse with you about things that are impacting our, well, our country. Hey, Ron, I just need to say this. I'm glad it's civil because you would not be welcome back on if it was an uncivil conversation. <laughs> That'd be my last show, wouldn't it? <laughs> no, I appreciate you, brother. Because you and I get to talk about tough issues, yeah. challenging issues, mm-hmm. in what I think is a civil way, a thoughtful way. And uh, this program will be no different as we, uh, as students begin a new school year, uh, I have been looking at some of the catalogs and course offerings Mm -hmm. uh, here in Kentucky, came across something recently that was rather alarming, not just uh, in some of the courses offered, but uh, at the University of Louisville, there's a new minor that's offered, and it's a minor in LGBTQ studies. Uh, this is a, a minor for uh, students who I'm not sure what they would do with that once they graduate, but uh, it's something that uh, they are being offered. And uh, it just brought a lot of questions to my mind, Ron, when I saw that and some of the courses that were offered. Let uh, me play the devil's advocate just for a second. What difference should that make to you? What the University of what did you say, Louisville, the University of what difference should it make to you what the University of Louisville teaches? Yeah, hey, it's a good question, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine a pastor playing devil's advocate, <laughs> but you'd make a good one <laughs> as far as just playing that role. But uh, so I'm concerned on a number of levels. Number one is a taxpayer. Uh, this is a taxpayer-funded institution. And as a taxpayer, I do have some say in what goes on. Number two, I want what is taught to our young people and what my tax dollars are supporting to be something that is good and healthy and true, that's going to contribute to human flourishing and and then contribute to society in some way or another. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this new course uh, offering, this minor in LGBTQ studies, fails on all those accounts. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's true. I don't think kids are going to be employable with a minor in that. Now, of course, they've got to have a major, uh, but I don't see this as a good thing. I don't think it contributes to human flourishing to emphasize one part of human sexuality, which for most of the history of our country, it has been viewed as an unhealthy activity. Mm -hmm. Lesbianism and homosexuality, transgenderism uh, used to be considered behavioral choices that were considered unhealthy for the individual and unhealthy for society. Now we have University of Louisville offering a minor in these studies. Well, isn't it interesting that that when when a conservative Christian says, well, I this is what I think about uh, this particular issue, people tend to ask us that question. Well, what difference does it make to you? And when we say, well, we live in a country where our, our government says, I mean, through the voting process, they want to know what our opinion is. Yeah. Every one of our elected officials say, we want to hear from you, their constituents, what do you think? The very first time you mention a biblical worldview, 
it seems to immediately discount you, immediately, yeah. immediately discredit you. Oh, hang on a second, separation of church and state, yeah. blah, blah, blah. So it's almost okay for you to be able to say, I disagree with this on the, on, you know, deep down inside, I just believe it's wrong. Yeah. And that's okay. But the second you mention a biblical worldview, boom, you're shut down. And that's an indication that we live in a secular culture. Mm-hmm. We live in a culture that's uncomfortable with religious ideas and religious ideals being brought back into the public arena, mm-hmm. uh, and especially at the university level. Yeah. So where, where free thinking is supposed to be, I mean, all thinking yeah. is supposed to be have an equal sort of a footing. I think that w- that should be restated in that secular thinking mm-hmm. is welcome at a university. Yeah. Uh, that thoughts apart from a religious basis are welcome in our schools, uh, which is ironic, Ron, because in this nation, uh, the out of the first 200 universities that were founded, most had some kind of a denominational connection. They were supported by churches and different denominations. And the very first university, Harvard, mm-hmm. started to train pastors. Yes. That's why it was founded back mm-hmm. in the early 1600s. Mm-hmm. And uh, Princeton, uh, all the way up until the late 1800s, Princeton was a conservative Presbyterian school, had some of the greatest thinkers in the country. B.B. Warfield uh, and other theologians like him were great thinkers. There's always been this connection in our, or at least a history of this connection in our country between the universities and the church, uh, between uh, religious thought and application to life. And I think, Ron, that as we secularize, as we again remove that religious influence, uh, we're going to come. We're going to move into a direction that uh, just cuts us off from the heart of what it means to be human. And what do I, what do I mean by that? I'm I'm talking about the idea that mankind is made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. That's a religious idea, and this is what sets us apart from other parts of humanity. But as we move away from that idea, mankind is put on the very same plane with the rest of creation, whether it's the rocks and the trees or the animals. And we're seeing more and more today where people are embracing animal rights or the rights of other parts of creation on the same plane as with mankind. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is, again, because apart from a religious idea, uh, you can't justify, you can't logically say that, yeah, mankind is different. It's set apart. It is more valuable. Human life is more valuable than uh, the gorillas or the monkeys. Uh, There was a a famous animal rights activist, I think it was Ingrid Newkirk, who was trying to make the claim that animals and people are really all the same. They're on the same plane, and none should be treated better than other. And she said this, that uh, a man is a rat, is a dog, is a pig, something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just putting them all on the same plane, or a boy is a rat, is a dog, is a pig, something like that. And the truth is, is that if you want to think like that and live like that, that's your right to do, I guess. But with that mindset and with that worldview, you cannot end up with the civilization that we have today. Our civilization was built on a worldview that is tied to the to the biblical worldview. It's actually undergirded and supported by the biblical worldview. And what's going on at, at U of L is is very much uh, in the other direction. Uh, absolutely. You know, when Paul went to the Areopagus, the the place where all the intellectuals would gather, um, they they were so uh, not wanting to offend that they had all these statues of gods. Even had a statue to the unknown god. Yeah. So Paul went to the in- site of intellectual discussion and yeah. said. 
let me tell you about this one that you don't know about. Yeah. So it used to be uh, that, that all the intellectuals would get together and they wanted to study philosophy. They wanted to discuss religion. It seems like today our universities say we can discuss everything except religion. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. Hey, I want us to come back and, and explore that a little bit more. What is going on in our universities today? Not just University of Louisville, but our other institutions of higher learning. And uh, what many people believe is a crisis uh, happening at these places. So stay tuned, and we'll be back in just a minute. Hey, Richard Nelson here. Did you know that there's an election coming up? And according to some projections, the turnout is going to be low, somewhere in the low 30th percent range. This means that only about one out of every three eligible voters will get out to the polls to vote this November the 5th. And this is unfortunate on two accounts. First, our freedom depends on our involvement and our vote. Second, it's a really important election. Races for governor, attorney general, and other constitutional offices are on the Kentucky ballot. And the future of our Commonwealth is at stake. To learn more about the candidates, go to CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. That's CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. Inform yourselves about the candidates, then vote your values on Tuesday, November the 5th. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Ron Hicks, and we are talking about the crisis in our universities. And Ron, just the other day, I read a uh, a piece where Camille Paglia, a professor's a professor of humanities at a school in Philadelphia, uh, was quoted as calling our young people today um, coddled, um, uneducated, unaware of our history. And uh, she's she's been criticized by those in the left in the past for saying politically incorrect things. But what's interesting is that Camille Paglia considers herself, uh, I believe, a she's second left wave. Right? She's left leaning, <laughs> second wave feminist. Mm-hmm. But uh, she's she's made some observations at our universities that um, our kids cannot think. They're coming into the universities not able to think, and they're actually graduating from our universities not able to think, not being grounded in our history not having understanding of basic principles of logic. And uh, she's, she's concerned about where our universities are heading. I had a young man come back from, um, from college, graduated college, was a part of our church, grew up in our children's department, youth group, um, graduated from his faith when, when he graduated college. Yeah. Parents concerned, yeah. uh, offered to buy him a cup of coffee. We sat down and I said, where are your concerns? He said, well, I'll just tell you my very first concern. He said, I learned in college that the Israelites didn't worship just one God. They had all kind of gods. And Jehovah God uh, was often not their primary God. He said, why, 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 don't, why isn't that taught in church? And I said, um, the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like it was taught. You just didn't pay attention. Yeah. And he said, oh, but see, a college professor was belittling what he had learned, and they're not really teaching you. Yeah. And so because he's older now, and this authority figure, influential position, was trying to suggest to him that we're withholding history, when in fact that wasn't the case at all. Yeah. And then once we got to talk, it finally came down to, well, I, I just don't believe that anymore. But he started out trying to have an intellectual conversation, but then we very quickly realized, oh, he, he actually was informed about these certain things. 
but he just heard it. And that's the biggest thing. He who has an ear, let him hear is what the scriptures say. Not just hear, but hear to the point where it actually enters your brain, you consider it, and that truth affects your attitudes and your actions. And a lot of people, religious principles go in one ear, out the other, and they go through the motions. And then when their faith is challenged or their, their belief system is challenged, they don't have, they don't have enough reasoning abilities because they've never really thought through their faith. They borrow their parents or their grandparents' faith. Ron, I've seen statistics that show where upwards of 60% of young people who grow up in the church today, once they go to college, they're leaving the faith. They're not and I going say to that's, church. I would say that's generous. I would say that it's much higher, actually, than that. Yeah. And, and so why, have you made any observations why that's happening? What's going on? I mean, in the, you mentioned in the classroom, you get, a, you get a professor who's convincing and he's really smart and he's swaying opinions. I think that's an aspect, but what else is happening out there? Well, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say what I, what I think I need to do as a pastor, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting anybody else, but this is what I've done. Um, I'm involved in with the the children every single Sunday. I have a little, all the kids come down, sit up front, and then talk to Brother Ron. I, I want them to to be used to talking to the preacher, the high school kids. I, I interact with them. As a matter of fact, for the next 90 days, I'm actually going to teach the youth. Sunday school class to be able to engage and and actually talk about these issues. This is what you're going to hear at school, and this is what the scriptures say. We talked about creationism as opposed to evolution, and we we talk about those things. I I believe that a lot of kids don't really have a relationship with with pastors, and so when they graduate from the youth group and all the rest of that, they're stuck in this environment, the regular church service that they're not familiar with, and they think this I, I I don't you know I'm uncomfortable in this situation, so. I'm, th- I'm intentional about reaching out to those and that's And that's good. I'm glad to hear that Not you are intentional. Not I'm just, yeah. it's, it's a biblical principle. I, I heard in there a plug for Henderson Memorial Baptist Church in <laughs> Hopkinsville. Drive, Hopkinsville. Services <laughs> begin at 10 o'clock <laughs> Sunday mornings and 6 o'clock p.m. Sunday evening service. But that's another story. Uh, so, Ron, here's on a serious note, though. I'm wondering if there's something else happening in the church in general, not just your church, but in the church where there's there's something happening with our young people where the faith is not sinking in. It's either that or they don't understand the application of the faith when they get out that's, into the world. That's it. Uh, give me news I can use. Yeah. That's what I try to remember when I'm preaching a sermon. Give me news I can use. In reference to this program here, right here, I was at my doctor's office the other day. A uh, young lady uh, said, uh, hey, um, I, I really enjoy your program. You guys are talking about things that I don't hear anybody else talking about. Yeah. So when we awesome. talk about these worldviews from a biblical perspective, yeah. that seems to be missing in other places. Now yeah. I'm sure it's talked about in church, but 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 it's kind of a limited time frame, uh, and and it's usually just a one way conversation. I think we we've got to be able to if biblical principles, if all it is is history, uh, and, and all it is is knowledge, you know, about what took place a long time ago, it's not really practical. But but the scripture is a guidebook for living. And every single scripture is fit for instruction, correction, reproof. Yeah. It, it, scripture guides our daily lives. And when we, when we think it's just ancient history that doesn't have anything to do with, with today, then we come back to what the University of Louisville offers. Well, let me give you news you can use. Let me, let me tell you about what's going on in society today and how I can educate you about society today. Because that, that Bible, that's, that book that was written thousands of years ago, really isn't relevant to the society yeah. and the culture that we live in. That's what kids are hearing. Yeah, yeah. There was a book written in uh, 1984, I believe it was, called The Great Evangelical Disaster. It was written by Francis Schaeffer, and he talked about 
uh, the divide in evangelicalism between what he called the upper story and the lower story. Mm. And the upper story focused on the spiritual. And those spiritual callings that were uh, elevated and embraced in the church were missionaries, Mm -hmm. pastorates, things like that. Activity that was embraced and encouraged was prayer and Bible reading. All those things are good, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. But that was done, that was emphasized while the lower story, which would be uh, jobs out in the world, um, you know, taking care of your family, moms at home, uh, education, that was considered the lower story. And uh, what Schaefer was saying was that uh, true Christianity, first of all, connects the upper story with the lower story, it connects God and man's relationship with God to have an impact in the here and now. And evangelicalism in a, lar- in a lot of the 20th century made that divide and focused in a, a hyper kind of a way on the spirituality, and it neglected this lower story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you saw less teachers taking a biblical worldview into the classroom. You saw less people seeing their jobs as ministry yeah, and uh, I think that's what we're we're dealing with today. And so, young people today do not understand how the faith applies to them when they get out into the world. That's my story, by Absolutely. the way. Absolutely, I didn't. I walked away from the faith when I was in college and mm-hmm. in my later years in high school. I did not see how it applied to me. It's not that I didn't believe; I believed, but I did not see how how it worked out practically in my life. Well, Richard, knowledge and wisdom are two different things. Knowledge is knowing something. Wisdom is knowing how to apply what you know. Hi, this is Richard Nelson with the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, and I want to thank you for listening to the Commonwealth Matters. Our goal is to help you better understand the important issues of the day, the issues of life, marriage, and religious liberty. But that isn't all we do. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is working to educate legislators and policymakers about these bedrock values so they can defend them while serving in Frankfurt. We are in regular conversations with state leaders on both sides of the aisle, encouraging them to uphold what Kentuckians like you value. But we need your help. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit group that only exists by the grace of God and the generosity of its donors. Would you consider a donation today to the Commonwealth Policy Foundation so that our work might continue? Please visit our website at commonwealthpolicyfoundation.org. There you'll find some easy ways you can help us accomplish this important work. Again, go to CommonwealthPolicyFoundation.org and consider a gift today. And thanks in advance for any help you can offer. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson, and with me is Ron Hicks. And Ron, we began the first segment with... uh, minor in LGBTQ studies at the University of Louisville. This is a brand new uh, study of program there, uh, which is going to bring on some controversy. Many people aren't aware of it, but people will be hearing about this across the Commonwealth of Kentucky soon. But Ron, uh, we were talking about uh, whether or not a minor like this is going to be helpful or good. Uh, and why somebody should even care uh, in the in the first place. Well, before we went to break, uh, this last segment I had mentioned that knowledge and wisdom are different. Knowledge yeah. is knowing something, and wisdom is knowing how to apply what you know. Yeah. Here, here are some of the, the course studies, okay? Yeah. Um, uh, 
course offerings under this uh, LGBTQ um, is uh, Black Lesbian Lives, Queer Politics, LGBTQ Literature in the United States, Queer Performance, and History of American Sexualities. Now, again, that wisdom is knowing these things. Knowledge is applying yeah. what you know. What's the practical application of Black Lesbian Lives or Queer Performance? Mm-hmm. I, you and I don't know. We, yeah. we don't travel in this in this yeah. in this uh, universe. So this is this is not where where we live. I, I I assume that I guess they could be creating political activists for the LGBTQ. Maybe maybe folks who who feel called into that uh, that lifestyle to be able to help to promote that lifestyle. Um, but but here's a university that that I mean it's a pretty small you know sort of a uh, let me give you an education and, and thing that's going to affect just a, a very small, less than 10% of the population of the United States. How is that actually preparing students using taxpayer dollars? Well, and actually, you know? it's probably less than 3% of those well, who I identify as LGBTQ. Yeah, because when you use that figure, everybody just, you know, oh, yeah. it's much higher than that. Yeah, you know, it's I, actually so it's much, much smaller. I realize that, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, not just that, but is this is this uh, productive to teach these kind of courses? I mean, you could think of a, just anything. I think it's unlimited, the topics you could want to teach. But the question is, is it necessary? Is it good? Is it true? Does it contribute to flourishing? And uh, I would say that in, in all cases, it does not. And here we have a taxpayer-funded institution that just created a very uh, a new and very controversial minor that um, I think people in Kentucky are, are going to have something to say about. Sure. That. And I think in all fairness, people on the other side of this issue, people who disagree with us, would say, oh, yes, we think this is good. We think this is wholesome. We think mm-hmm. this is fair. We think this is necessary uh, to be taught. And, and that's where good civil discourse comes in to be able to sit down and talk reasonably and rationally uh we did a segment just a show very recently about about a newspaper who who uh was advocating uh not civil discourse but uncivil discourse protesting and disrupting and and and, um, was upset that people were getting thrown in jail for disturbing the peace uh, and and, oh heaven forbid they should have to post bail to get out of jail uh, so the newspaper was promoting civil disobedience well, and discord and, and instead and, of civil discourse. And to the point, it was LGBTQ activists yeah, yeah. that were doing mm-hmm. that. So yeah. I'm wondering with the University of Louisville in this new uh, minor in LGBTQ studies, I wonder if that's what they're going to be churning out are more activists who are confrontational and yeah. actually use bully tactics mm-hmm. to get their way. Uh, Ron, I'm wondering this. Let me pose this question sure. to you. What if there was a minor in Christianity studies or Christian influence on the West studies or something like that? I wonder if there was a center for Christian excellence at University of Louisville. There is a center for LGBT studies now, Mm -hmm. or the LGBT community, and there's that minor in LGBTQ studies. What if there was a center for Christian excellence at one of our public schools? Well, and this is this I I love this question because two two important um, caveats of this conversation. One, religion is really uh, what worldview you subscribe to. Whether there's a creator or or whether we ourselves are are our own gods in control of our own destiny. So religion is just simply a worldview. Um, But. What people would say is if you said Christian studies, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute now. The Constitution says the government will not establish a religion. 
So if you're going to take federally tax, you know, federal tax dollars and send it to university, you can't teach Christianity because that's going to be establishing a religion. However, religion is just the worldview in which people choose their own morality and all. I could suggest to you that the LGBTQ community has their own religion. They have their own worldview. All of the decisions, the morality is shaped by what this organization or what these people say is right and wrong. I would argue that we're taking federal, I mean, we're taking tax dollars and we're establishing a religion because they they are, you know what I'm saying? And so when people say, uh, you know, when, when you're suggesting, why can't you do this? The natural argument is separation of church and state. And I think that's that's an argument that could really no longer be used. When yeah. you take ideas, worldviews, and you yeah. start promoting them, teaching them, every worldview yeah. now is open. Every yeah. single religion is now that's open. Good. And and when you start limiting that, now you're in violation of the Constitution. And so I believe to to say to a university, you cannot teach Christian principles, that's now a violation of the Constitution. Well, look, there are some public universities that have Islamic studies, yeah. centers for Islamic studies, mm-hmm. and offer courses mm-hmm. in Islamic studies. So you see it with other religions as well. Absolutely. But the one religion that appears to be disfavored today by mainstream universities and by mainstream institutions is Christianity. Yeah. And, uh, Ron, I think that it's important for Christians to realize here's where the culture is. But then how do you, if Christianity is true, if the Bible speaks to all of life, and if God calls people to walk with him here and now, I think the challenge for Christians is how do we get back into mainstream culture? How do we get into universities? I'm thinking like the Christian professor. How, do we, how can I be the best Christian professor, whether it's an you know, English professor or an astronomer or a chemist, whatever it might be, uh, and then uh, be able to teach, you know, from my worldview or with my convictions not being put on the shelf somewhere. To me, it seems that it's a, 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 the challenge today for those Christians that want to live out their faith. And it, it's not just education and the educational institutions, but it's in other parts of culture as well. I, I, would, uh, I would ask our listeners to think this. How many people have you ever bumped into before at church? And then, and then you didn't, and then you say, Hey, I didn't, I didn't know you went to church or I didn't realize you came here. The only evidence of somebody's faith is the fact that they're in a house of faith. Yeah. Um, Jesus said, go and make disciples. The imperative wasn't go. It's as you go, make yeah. disciples. Yeah. I think many Christians That's have good. forgotten the idea that we're supposed to make disciples. Everywhere you and I go, we're a Christian. We don't put on our Christian garb on Sunday morning Everywhere we go, we're supposed to be Christos, little Christ. And I think because that's not happening, less and less Christ is being exposed to the world. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Before he ascended into heaven, he said, "Uh, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. We're supposed to seek and to save through the gospel those who are lost. And I don't think Christians are doing a good job of that. That's good. Let Let me leave on an encouraging note. So that's a challenge for Christians to do that, to live out the faith before a watching world, to walk with God mm-hmm. in whatever calling Absolutely. he's placed in their lives. And this means where you are. If you're a university professor, there. If it means you're in the business community, do it there. If you're a student, university student. Absolutely. And that's the challenge for us today. There, there's, there's, uh, the world is watching. The world is asking questions. And be prepared uh, for when they ask you that question, why are you different? What is it that compels you to think the way you do or to work the way you do? or to act the way you do. And that's the question that all of us should be prepared to answer. 